you want to learn more about effective management, head over to madsingers.com and sign up for my free management training. Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Jocelyn Kopak. Welcome to the show. Thank you, and thank you so much for welcoming and having me on. I'm super excited. <laughs> it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun conversation, I think. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very excited as well, because today I really want to talk about how to build a business inclusively with your staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Before we get to that, I have a feeling that there might still be a couple of people around the world that don't know who you are. So would you mind giving, <laughs> Maybe, <just a> few. <laughs> would you mind giving a little bit of an introduction uh, to who you are and so on and so forth? Yeah. So hello, hello to everyone listening. My name is Jocelyn Kopek, um, and I am a serial entrepreneur, um, business strategist, and DEI educator. For those that don't know, DEI stands for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. Um, And so I spend my whole life building businesses, like that's my favorite pastime, um, helping other people then utilize my knowledge to build their businesses in a way that works for them, Uh, and then helping other business owners work with the team that they have, build a culture that works really well for their team and how they have their business run, and then have the conversations about some of these hard questions that everyone, especially right now, is, is having, um, and how to lead those in a way that um, builds your business and builds your audience versus um, degrades or, or hurts, <laughs> hurts your business, which we've seen a lot in the online space is, is people not quite knowing what to say, and then, then it coming back and biting them in the butt. So that is my job. That is what I love to do. Um, I spend my whole entire life online and building businesses there. It's a giant game to me, and I love it. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, that sounds exciting. I love building businesses as well, so I'm sure this will be a very good right? conversation. What, what, do you, what do you enjoy the most about building businesses? Um, for me, business is, has always been my whole entire life. I mean, I started my first business when I was seven, like little tiny baby girl. So um, when I was seven, Why that I late? Always, uh, right, I know. Um, I'd love to say I was younger, but um, we actually moved to a farm when I was seven years old. Um, and it was just north of Chicago, which is one of the biggest cities in um, the U.S. And... Um, all the Chicagoans would drive up past my little farm to like do their touristy summer stuff on all of our lakes. I live in Wisconsin. Uh, And I capitalized on that being the little entrepreneur I was and sold them farm fresh eggs (laughs) and they were brown. And that was back when brown eggs were like this like new thing, like people hadn't seen them in a long time. And so people paid a lot of money, especially because they were city folk and they paid a lot of money for my eggs. And so that's why it was so late because I didn't move to the farm until I was seven. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I remember my, my first adventure was very similar, selling strawberries yeah. instead, but uh, same. There we go. See? Type story. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. So. Right. I'm eager to talk more about the sort of clean team inclusivity and so on that you talk so much about, uh, because I think yeah. that's a very, very exciting concept. Do you, do you mind going down a little bit more detail in terms of what you, what you actually mean with that and also yeah. how you do it? 
Yeah. So um, to me, DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion um, for a business owner breaks into two parts, right? Because if we're a business owner, if we're an entrepreneur, we are the change makers of the world, right? These large corporations at the beginning of Corona only were able to come online in 20 or 48 hours because we had already done it. We had already paved the path, right? So I, I think for, for a fact, um, the entrepreneurs of the world are the change makers. We, we can kind of set the bar. Um, and so as an entrepreneur, you kind of have two different sections of people you have to deal with your audience, which includes your clients, right. And your team, which is internal, right. How your business runs on the inside, right. And both of those need to be nurtured and, um, you as the leader of both, right, as the business owner of both, uh, the leader of both need to understand that maybe someone else's life is a little bit different than what you would envision it, even if they are your target client, right? And I think a lot of people have a hard time understanding that, especially when we talk about target client all the time. Um, you know, who's your target client? Who do you work with? What, why do you work with them? Right. And, um, so we just assume that even though they fit in, let's say a mom entrepreneur, right. That they all kind of have the same lifestyle. Right. And it could be very, very different. Um, so diversity, equity, and inclusion talks about the things that make us different, um, how we can create like stepping stools so that everyone can see over the fence at the same time, right? So, you know, just because you're five foot and, and the person next to you is six foot and you both get a two foot stepping stool doesn't actually help you out any, right? Like you still can't see over the eight foot fence, okay? Um, and so equity is making sure that you get those right size step up stepping stool for you to see over the fence and the six foot person gets the right size step, stepping stool for them to see over the fence. And so that's where equity comes in. Uh, and then inclusion is internalizing that those differences are there that you need to create systems, processes, conversations, whatever that means for your business, um, that then those people feel like they can actually bring their problems to you. And I think that's a huge thing. I'm in the service-based industry, right? And so when a client can come to me on a call and I hear I'm irritated about this, I can actually unravel that in a way that makes sense for us, you know, in our business relationship, right? Um, and so that's where the inclusivity comes in, is being able to not only hear what they're saying, but understand where they're coming from. So you can meet them in a way that, that makes them feel good and fulfilled. Um, and that happens, like I said, on both sides, either that's your audience and your clients or on your team. Both of those are incredibly important, right? If your audience and clients are mad at you or feeling like you're ignoring some of the issues, they're not going to stay with you. They're going to <clears throat> cancel culture you, right? With quotes around it. Um, and if your team feels that way, they're just not going to work for you anymore. I um, mean, you're going to have a lot of turnover there. So that that is how I see it. It's a two-way street, especially for a business owner, which makes it really hard because we have to embody um, business owner and team leader, right? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. And I'm, I'm, I'm a, a, a huge fan of the DISC behavioral framework. And yeah, I, I, yeah. I sort of feel relationship in the concept because the, the fundamentals around that is really understanding people's different personality and yeah. behavior. The fact that, you know, people communicate differently, you know, simple things like some people much prefer to write an email rather than to have a phone call mm -hmm. and some others are opposite, right? Uh, so that makes a lot of sense to me. And I, I like the way you, you look at that. So that's very interesting. Well, and and it's really important to remember right now, diversity when it comes to skin color is huge, right? But diversity isn't just that, right? Diversity is if 
for example, you've been in the military and they haven't. Um, you have kids, they don't. You've been married, they've been divorced. You've been married, they've never had a long-term relationship, right? Those all come in under the diversity spectrum. Um, and people forget that it's not just, it's not just skin color, it's not just race, it's not just ethnicity, but everything else that also goes into building a person into what they are today. Um, and that's where, you know, talking about, you know, what they've gone through in life or understanding at, at the very least understanding and being sim- sympathetic. You can't be empathetic unless you've been through it, but sympathetic um, will really help make that. And that, that, that's a big thing with disc as well, right? <laughs> like, um, being Definitely. able to have that sympathetic ear. Um, yeah. So and, and from there. What, what, I, what I hear specifically, I mean, for, for me, building teams is what I love doing, right? Like I love putting the right people <laughs> together and putting the right people in the right holes and, and so on, right? And, and I, I think fundamentally, I mean, for, for me, definitely going through the sort of particularly the cultural fit of hiring, right? Like making sure people fit the existing team. Uh, I think mm-hmm. you can definitely always increase your diversity somehow, but I think- yep. Like as an example, I had a client that was a startup, right? And literally they were like six or seven people and literally all of them worked 24 seven. Like they did have an office, but they literally yeah. had beds in the office so they could go and get a nap once in a while, but they were literally working. Oh, no. one, one, of those very tech, one of those very techie startups, right? And they tried to bring in someone and there was someone that had the right skills and, you know, but it was a person who absolutely was not interested in working more than the eight hours and so on and so forth. (laughs) And it's, again, it's not that it's a bad person or the wrong person or not dedicated. That's not what it's about, but it's a person Mm -hmm. with a very different expectation, right? It's a person with a very different, like, yes, if you're a single guy or girl in your early twenties, you might be able to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you're, you know, at a different stage in your career, that might be difficult. And it's very, very critical. I mean, the, the person they hired actually ended up leaving within a month, right? Uh, but it was a very skilled person. But even though he was contributing a lot, he just didn't feel like he fit in, right? So even though he probably yeah. had more skills and experience than the rest and could actually add a ton of value, he just didn't feel like a cultural fit. And I, well, I, one, I definitely tell him, 24-7 is not a great culture to have and it's not something to aspire no. <laughs> to. However, however, in any business, you do need to realize what your culture is. Because again, if you mm-hmm. spend time and resources hiring people and you put in people that do not fit the culture you have, that will often yeah, cause people to leave. Or sometimes yeah. it might be the it might actually impact the rest of the flock, right? So if if your business yeah. right now is bound on people working a ton someone come in and doesn't you know that might negatively impact everyone else saying hey why is this person working very little when i'm working all the time and that kind of stuff right Mm -hmm. so yeah i think that's very very similar but i I really love yeah i call that on my team um we, we talk about it a lot right because we're we are constantly growing constantly hiring um and we, we talk about it, we're a team of A players, right? And that doesn't mean that we work obscene hours. Um, yours truly maybe does sometimes. Not, I try not to, but you know. Um, actually, we have a 32-hour work week, uh, max of six hours a day. So, um, and, and that's because we come, we're, we're a creative business, right? We're a service-based creative business. And so 
I sat and looked at my culture, right? Because I knew that that's a thing that's going to happen whether I want it to or not. And I'd rather control it than let it just kind of manifest itself. (laughs) Um, And I was like, you know what? I know a creative cannot work for eight hours and still be pumping out amazing, great stuff, right? It's just it's just not a thing, right? You, you get burned out. You're really only working three hours a day. Like, and I didn't want that to be, to be part of my team. So that was the first thing. But at the same time, we, we, we talk about it. We're a players, right? Meaning we don't ask the stupid Googleable questions, right? We go and Google, we figure it out. We bring it back to the team. Here's our, here's the problem I found. Here's the solution. Everyone seem okay with it. Good. Right. And moving on. Right. And so, um, we actually just had that situation happen. We had to hire um, a new content admin uh, literally this last week. Um, And I did it against my gut, which every time I hire against my gut and I hire because I feel like, you know, kind of slightly bad for someone or like, you know, maybe they'll fit. Hopefully they'll fit. Um, I hired against my gut and uh, she came in and she was not ready to be an A player at the level that we are, right? When we show up for work, we're there to do the best we possibly can. And then we're done, right? Like we're done, work is done. And she wasn't even ready to show up and do the best she could while she was at work. And we were talking about it. Literally, we had our our company-wide meeting today at a team meeting. Um, We were talking about it because we're very, very transparent as a team. That's part of the culture we built up. Um, and people are like, she was here for like a day. What happened? And I was like, here's the story. Um, and the biggest thing was she needed someone that one was a micromanager. No one on my team is. We work very hard to make sure we're not. Um, and two, um, she needed a culture that was going to hold her by her hand every step of the way and give her praise for every little thing. And that's not how we how we function, right? And so we were talking about it and we were making a joke saying our culture spit her out. Like we, we, we function on this wavelength and she was on a different wavelength. And so hence and therefore it just she was done. Right. Um, and I think that's really important while you're building your team or trying to put the right people in the right holes um, to, to actually think about the culture you're building. And it's okay if your culture spits people out, but you also want to be sure the culture you're building is healthy and you're going to be able to keep the people that you absolutely love and like, don't know what you would do without. Um, and you're building a culture that then they can still have a life and a family and, you know, whatever they need to do outside of work so that they come back to work refreshed and ideally more educated, right? Because they were able to go on that week-long trip to wherever and they learned some stuff and they were able to bring that back into your company and and help, right? And add value. Um, And I think that's a really big thing a lot of people forget is, you know, your employees, their whole life isn't work, even though you would love that to be, especially as a business owner. Um, But you have to maximize while they're there. Yeah, that, this is one big thing that, uh, I mean, I, I run a company for virtual assistants as well. And yeah. I, uh, yeah, I also have a, a good bunch of businesses. But what, one of the key things with a lot of my clients, is they're, they're always so eager and like, oh, you know, how do I track their time to make sure they work every minute oh. of the 40 hours <laughs> that paying them for? And, and, and I'm always yep. like, you're looking at this the completely wrong, wrong way. way. Wrong right. way. So yeah, because yeah. Definitely, definitely there can be situations where you need to talk to people about, you know, work morale and so on. But generally the challenge is if your main focus is time, then, you know, you haven't set the right goals. You haven't got the right expectation. Yep. Because I was just going to say that. If you yeah, do have the right goals, 
you're, you're going to end up in a situation where, you know, you actually measure yeah. them on what they give you, the output they have, mm -hmm. rather than, you know, how many hours they necessarily spend on them. Well, yeah. And I think that's really hard for entrepreneurs because they, they, they see a task list, right? Especially, especially when they're first hiring. Um, they see a task list that they need done and they don't have time to do. Um, and so they're like, oh, I just need, these are the tasks and this is the job description based off of the other, all the tasks that need to happen. And, and people don't work that way, right? They don't stay in a company because they've gotten all their tasks done. They stay in a company because they feel like they're being um, heard, seen, and appreciated. And that means that they're actually hitting their goals. And if you don't set the goals out for your team member, the team member will set their goals out for themselves. And like 100% of the time, it's not going to mesh with what you thought was going to be happening. <laughs> I can, oh, I've seen it so many times. And I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, see, you said 20 hours. And what you said should have said was they, sh they, were, they were managing making sure the podcast goes out on time every week. I don't care how long that takes you. It can take you five hours for all I, for all I care in my business. If it takes you less time, like more power to you. Um, but it has to be accomplished. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, so actually in my business, what I do when it comes to time tracking, um, everybody on the team has to track all of their time. Um, and the only reason they're tracking it is so I, when I sit down and do my futures planning and stuff, I can sit down and be like, okay, I paid them X. Their timesheet is saying that they worked X. Um, yeah, I'm not paying them enough for the amount of time that they're having to put into things. I did something wrong on my planning. Or I need to go back to that team member and say, what training do you need? Because it should not be taking you this long, right? Um, and that's the only thing I use time tracking for. I don't pay anybody hourly anymore. Um, so that, that, that makes a difference. But, um, you know, that's the only thing I use time tracking is to make sure that me as their boss or leader, right, is planning correctly for their job so that I'm not overworking them um, and they aren't feeling like they're being overwhelmed because they don't quite know how to do something and hence they're taking five hours to do something that should have taken two or three, right? Um, and that's how I use my time tracking internally. Um, that's the only reason I use my time tracking <laughs> is, to, yeah, is to have a actually, second so, so I work with some companies where it makes a, a ton of sense to track the time, right? Because like, for example, if you run an agency or something where you want to be able to attribute a cost per, per client to understand yep. what, what your actual mm -hmm. cost is and stuff, tracking time can make a hell, a hell lot of sense, right? But it does. Mm -hmm. the whole point is that the purpose is not to make sure they necessarily work their hours. It's They're to working. make sure they deliver. Yeah. Right. And yeah. like what, what I say to most people is, you know, I would never look at the timesheets if people are performing. However, you know, if they mm -hmm. suddenly stop performing and, you know, sometimes that could be personal yeah. things or whatever, but that's one of those data points that are interesting. And then you can have the actual conversation with them and say, hey, you know, I can see you're 20% behind target. You know, we always hit the target. What's up here? Right. And then. Mm -hmm then that data can be valuable. Well, exactly. Right? So. Yeah, it gives you, as a manager or a leader, whatever, it gives you an extra, yeah, like, and I use it as a data point, right, to make sure that, you know, everything is, is good, right? <laughs> not, not just the work is good, but on the flip side, they are good, right? Because sometimes people have a hard time. My culture, not so much. We, we actually, we start every team meeting with things that we need to improve, <laughs> like, and like, you can say it about anybody in the company, and usually they say it about me because I'm the biggest bottleneck there. <laughs> But, you know, we start out every meeting like that is what, what are things that could be improved? So we built that into our com 
company culture of we are constantly looking for ways to make things better. Um, I'm the veto authority on like, yeah, we're not changing that because we don't have a better system right now. Like until we find something better, this is how we're going to do it. But um, nine times out of 10, it helps us figure out even a better way to fulfill for clients, right? Um, And make clients happier or make our lives easier, uh, which I think is huge. But when it comes back to, I I wanted to make this point when you were talking about Ty and like, I want to make sure they work their full 40 hours. Um, I mean, I challenge everyone listening to look up drama in the workplace <laughs> and how many, if somebody's working a full 40 hour week, how many hours they're actually spending on drama, whether that's like, I don't want to deal with this change. Susan stole my sandwich at lunch. Like, I mean, all kinds of stuff that that's outside of their actual normal, like job duties. Um, and it's, it's an astronomical number, right? Um, most people only work three or four hours out of the day if they're working an eight hour day. So, um, you know, even though you, you're, you're looking for them to be working a full 40 hours, you're looking at, you're looking at it wrong because it's just not going to happen. We're human. We're going to have conversations and our feelings are going to happen. <laughs> so yeah, I wanted to bring that up. It, that's, a, that's a good thing to look up is drama in the workplace. It's a, it's, it's a great statistically number thingy that uh, it changed completely how I ran my team, right? Like it, it changed how I, how I looked at metrics and things like that. Yeah, interesting. I mean, I, I always say life happens, but uh, yeah, I, I take it drama definitely happens as well, no doubt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. And anything else from a sort of a team building perspective that you think is super valuable to share with our fellow business owners and so on? Yeah, um, I guess, the, I mean, the, the parting thing is before you even hire your first team member, or maybe you have someone you're having issues, you're like not, it's not meshing. Um, biggest thing I ask people to do is stop and look at their values, like their company values and the values that they're holding their team members accountable to. Um, because if somebody's coming, and, and again, I work in the online space, we work with VAs, things like that, usually. Um, if I'm talking to a client, like, let's say they are coming on as a marketing client, right? And they're like, yeah, my VA was doing this, this, and this, and now I don't want them doing it. I want you guys doing it. I'm like, the first thing, I, I mean, I put my little, my little teacher hat on, right? And I'm like, you know, you really should take a look at the, the values that you are holding everybody to um, and how often you're going over that with them and how you're bringing that up. Um, in my team, we have five company values. Everybody has to uphold them. I even get called out for not upholding them. Um, and because we have a team of A players, we have a three strike rule, right? I will bring up your, your issue three times. And then at that point, the next time I'm irritated because you haven't accomplished um, fixing whatever the issue is, like your communication is poor or you're not getting things in on time. You're not doing enough personal development to keep up with the industry, um, you know, all kinds of things, right? And we have conversations. We sit down and have conversations. That's your job as, as the boss, as the manager, as the leader to have those conversations. But, um, we call that choosing to be fired in our team um, because you've chosen specifically to not take a step back and reflect and work on you um, and ask maybe the hard questions of like, Hey, can you help me with this? I'm like completely lost. My personal development drops off when it comes to communication. Like what can I do better? Um, you know, if you're, if you're not able to do that, then you, you get, you get, spit out of our culture, right? Because we want people that are able to have conversations um, and, and continue to build themselves. And so uh, that's usually nine times out of 10 when I, when I talk with somebody that they're like, I just don't like my team members. They're not working well, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, when's the last time you went over that? 
and it's usually like never or I don't even have any written down and you're like well then at that point you're not really holding them to any other standard than what you do as a business owner um and I know I do not uphold (laughs) what I would like to see out of my whole team on a consistent basis so um that's I mean that's the biggest thing that that I talk to about when, when people are like, I want to start hiring a team or I need to start getting my team to work better. You know, like, how do you have your team working so well? They're amazing. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, well, this is how <laughs> is we're, we're very, very honest with each other about that. Mm-hmm. Love that. And I think the biggest issue for most people is, uh, I mean, very often when I, when I hear people talk about their culture, they're talking about mm-hmm. what they want rather than what they have. And they're not yeah. enforcing what they want but enforcing what they have. And yes. yeah, that's exactly what you're saying. And it's right? a, that's a huge shift. Um, that's a huge shift. I mean, I even had to go through it. I mean, I was in corporate for years and I was in HR and, and I thought like, oh yeah, I'm a great manager. And, and you know, people say when you, when you join entrepreneurship, the entrepreneurship club, all the trauma and all the bad things that you've got going on in your life, just come right to the surface. Um, and that was one of the things that I really had to work through because it, it really feels icky on the inside when you first start realizing that, hey, I'm the one perpetuating that everybody's late to the meeting because I'm always late to the meeting, hence and therefore it's okay to be late to the meeting, right? And so not only with holding yourself to a standard and having other people feel feel like they can call you out without having like, you know, their job in jeopardy, um, but at the same time, making sure you're making sure that standard is is set in stone, right? Um, you give people grace, of course, like, you know, family stuff happens, life happens, whatever, but there comes a time when that, that stone just doesn't move. Um, and so that's, yeah, it's, it's a rough thing to go through because it does feel really icky on the inside as the boss. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> when you realize you're the actual problem and you're like, oh, geez. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I can totally resonate with that. And I think like a lot of the time, the, the good thing, if you will, is the fact that when you actually start working on your values and you start realizing mm-hmm who you are and what you're actually doing yeah. and how that actually impacts the business. That is, mm-hmm. in my experience, a very interesting, it's very interesting work because you actually start, you actually start improving yourself significantly more because mm-hmm. if you sit down and say, you know, I want a culture that's like X, Y, Z, and you actually have like very often having a consultant or having someone on this side helps you a lot because very, very often it can be very difficult to see where you are. And and the problem is if you don't have a transparent work environment right now, actually getting Mm -hmm. people to tell you is so That you're doing a shit job. Right. Yeah, when we actually initiated or, you know, instated, I should say, um, that we start out every team meeting with things that could be improved and, and like, specifically things that could be improved by management, like management needs to get better at blah, right? Um, That was a really hard shift for our team. But now it's like a bombardment of you're like, well, geez, I thought I was doing great. Okay. (laughs) All right. You know, Um, and now it's more of a, it's more of a joke. We feel way more open with each other and things are getting done a lot better, quicker, easier. Um, and I think that that 
shifts your viewpoint on change a lot in your company, because if you're constantly looking for ways to improve um, and ways for your manager to make a, a better work environment for you, a better client experience, whatever it is you're in charge of, right? Whatever your goal is for with the company, um, if you are working with your manager consistently on, on finding ways to innovate, um, it creates a very different cult- culture in your company and you're going to find it's a lot easier to like scale and deal with new people coming in and training and all of that just becomes so much easier because it's so transparent. I need to work on this. I'm lost. You've lost me. I don't know how to do it. I've looked it up. I still don't get it. I don't know how to function. We need to have a meeting. Boom. Transparent. We're good. I know that you've done the, done the work to try to like figure it out. You're still lost. And we're going to now, we can start on a baseline, right? Of, of understanding that you've done some work to try to get it I didn't explain it well enough. And now we need to come together and, 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 and find out the best way to do it. So um, that, that baseline, that transparency honestly makes a huge difference. Um, and I've been in cultures that don't have that. And um, you feel very stifled, right? And especially because we're in the creative field, um, having that, that transparency allows creativity to flow even more. Yeah. yeah, I have to be honest. I have not got a single creative bone in my body, so... I can't relate right. much to that, but uh, <laughs> sorry. But understanding that that's you, and if you hire a creative, that they're going to have a little bit different way of thinking and working is very, very important, <laughs> right? Um, because that's going to be how you can build your relationship together and 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 have your culture thrive, right? Yeah, and uh, particularly again going back to disc, like one one of my key favorite points actually talking with people about is the fact yeah. that. You know, some people just don't read email or at uh-huh. least they don't, they don't get it a lot. And particularly, you know, if you're one of those people that write like pages after pages after pages, long emails, mm-hmm. there is people yeah. in your organization that just either will not read them or even if they do, do not understand what you're trying to tell them, right? With your <laughs> 17 step process yeah. update or whatever, right? And that whole, the whole mentality of, Oh, well, if they can't read the email, you know, then they can't work here because I send emails mm-hmm. and so on. But the whole, the whole point for me is always the fact that, you know, people operate differently. And like, it's not, it's not a people can't read email, but it's that it's not their primary means of communication. And they're not very good at extrapolating what it actually means in, in many of all these emails, right? And for some people, that's totally like that's the craziest thing in the world because everyone can read an email but when you've mm-hmm. truly worked with people who are not good at it like i i have a i have a good team and you know every time i send out an email like i have one guy that i call up like i call him and say hey dude you know there's this important change we're gonna do this i need yeah. your support with this etc 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 and i know that that will make him tick now, the logical from some of the, those people is the fact that, you know, if it's just an email, it's probably not important. But, you know, mm-hmm. if it was important, boss man would call me, right? And yeah. yes, you can sit down and you say, oh, he should or she should or whatever. But in the end of the day, the key thing for you as a manager is learn and understand how to be effective, right? Mm-hmm. And the problem for yeah. most people is they always communicate the way they want to be communicated two mm-hmm. not the way the person they're communicating with prefer to be communicated listen. To. exactly yeah. yeah 
I, I say that a lot. What comes out of your mouth is not for you. It's for how it's going to land on somebody's ears. Right. So, I mean, and we see this all the time. I mean, America right now, we're in the middle of election. So we see this all the time. Somebody says something and everyone else is like, oh my gosh. And you're like, that is so not what they meant to say. And you know it, but it, it's whatever's coming out of your mouth. You got to think about how it lands in somebody's ears. I mean, I, I think back to when we're setting up our training and our SOPs for a specific job, right, or task or whatever, we actually have written out like checklist bullet point type SOPs that you can read through and this is the process. And then we actually have videos where you can watch somebody go through the process. Um, and that's a really big shift because some people are learners by reading, right? They're a reader learner. Like, like they can open a book and like, boom, they've got it, right? Some people can't. I'm one of those people, I will lose myself halfway through this the list. And not that I, I can't do it. Like, of course I can do it. Like I can make it through a list. Right. But I listen, I listen and learn. I'm a listen and learner. Right. So it's not even that I'm watching someone do it. I'm listening for them to say, okay, click on this. And I'm like, oh yeah, duh. Why didn't I think of that? Like, of course it's right there. Right. Um, and so while <laughs> when you're working with teams, that's a really big shift that you've got to make is just because you're a certain kind of learner doesn't mean everyone else is, right? And I, for example, am a huge fire hose, right? Like if we get on a call and we start talking about strategy of whatever kind, I'm just like, oh my gosh, and we could do this and we could do that. And I'm like, just, just going, right? And I've had people on my team where like, I can't understand you when you do that. <laughs> like you lose me. I can't follow your train of thought. And so what we started doing was sending our meeting and getting it transcribed so she could go read it right? Go read it. Have, have a fun time. That, that person's no longer the team, which makes it really easy for us. <laughs> but, you know, that, that was something where, but the transparency had to be there where she had to say, you have lost me every single time you go on one of your little tangents of like, this is a great idea. I'm so excited. We got to get this done, <laughs> right? She's like, you lose me. Um, and, but the transparency had to be there for her to say that. Um, and I think that another thing, you, you know, you bring up like, you know, we could say like, you know, you're, you're adding to your workload by calling him, but on the flip side, would it really add to your workload? What would really add is if he didn't read the email, he did it wrong and you would redo it or you pissed him off enough that he would leave the company <laughs> and you had to rehire. Right. So you have to weigh, you have to weigh that when you're working with people, you know, are you. Are you working with them because they're the best for the job? And really, honestly, it's not, it's not creating any issues for you. Or are you working with them because you're over babying them? You know, yeah. there's a, there's a big difference there. And I think, I think fundamentally, right. Like one of, one of the key things from, from that mindset perspective is really the fact that, you know, you should spend a significant time, a chunk of your time managing the problem mm -hmm. that most business owners have is they don't. Right. So yeah. a lot of small business owners in particular don't actually invest the time and effort into management, which is really what's holding them back. And as you said earlier, like they end up mm -hmm. becoming the bottleneck and they end up yep. in a situation where like majority of my clients that I work with end up mm -hmm. working less hours and making more money. And it sounds yep. cliche and it Same. sounds like it <laughs> sounds like a very, very bad, like, oh, that's just a promotion, whatever, right? But it's true. If Because for most businesses, as the boss, you are the bottleneck. And if you learn to sort that out, if you learn to actually hand over responsibility and so forth to your team, that will change, right? And actually, one of, oh, one yeah, of, my, 
one of my really good clients uh, had a baby in, in the start of the year. And he initially he took six months off, but he just told me he's not going to do any work for the rest of the year. And mm-hmm. yeah, so that's basically going to be roughly 12 months. Um, and he's done that. Like he worked with me for about 18 months or so. And mm-hmm. After that, he was in a situation where, you know, the team was actually doing the work. He was not the bottleneck. Yep. And it's yep. it, ex- so yeah, weird when, when, you're not, time. when you're not huh. in it, it's so difficult to understand. Mm-hmm. But when you've seen it, it, yeah. Yeah, and and I can say that I can say that from a personal standpoint. So uh, actually, right before Corona hit, I left my husband, like literally two days before we got locked down. Not a great time to leave your house. But hey, it's what I did. I didn't know it was going to happen. <laughs> but, um, and I was a complete and utter mess for about a month, month and a half. Um, and I mean, I tell people you need to build your team to be your support network, not your, you know, I went home and my wife yelled at me last night, support network, but like your support network where you can say, I need to take a day. I, I just can't. Today is not my day for, for being your innovator of the business, right? Like I'm here to answer questions if questions arise, but I am not here uh, in a, in a CEO capacity. I'm in his manager capacity at best. Right. Um, and that's the only reason I still have a functioning business to this day is because I had a team that one, we had built a culture where that was allowed, right? We give each other grace um, when, when things happen, but two, uh, we had built a culture where you get your work done period. Like that's just what, what happens. And, um, and I talk, I talk a lot with women entrepreneurs. It sounds like maybe your, your clients are all on the men's side, but I talk with women entrepreneurs, you know, you have a baby and you know, everyone hopes for a perfect miraculous birth and, you know, it takes three hours and voila, you have a brand new baby and it's beautiful. Right. Um, that doesn't happen a lot of the time. And all of a sudden you've got six weeks worth of recovery or you're in the hospital for a week longer than you planned. Um, and you know, life just happens. Right. Uh, and if you don't have a, if you don't have a team at all, for example, or if you don't have a team that really is truly your team, um, that will cause you more stress than it's worth. Um, and at the same time, your, your business will probably take a hit, right? Because you're not there to be your business, right? The idea of building a team is, is you're not your business anymore. It's an our business, not a my business. It's an our business, meaning business grows. You make more money. Of course I make more money, but business dies. You lose job. I maybe still have a little bit of money, <laughs> right? But, you know, so that's, that's a big thing that, we have shifted in our culture and it was it was years ago when we shifted this of like when the business makes more money everybody makes more money that's just part of the deal um because we are what we would what you would consider a smaller medium-sized business right we're not a corporation we're not huge um and that was a that was a big shift that i had to make like just literally earlier this year of realizing that not even on purpose, I had built this support network in where they said, go and take your time, go heal, go deal with what you need to deal with, go find a place to live right in the middle of Corona. Um, <laughs> and the business still ran. We didn't lose any clients. Clients still felt like they were being cared for and the fulfillment was there. Um, and that was because of the team. Right. And, and I think that's a big thing for people that, and, and you forget that that kind of stuff is going to happen, even though you're a business owner, right? Yeah, of course it happens when you're working a job, like whatever, but you're working a job, but when you're a business owner, it still happens. 
<laughs> and you need to then deal with it um, in, a, in a way that makes sure that you still have a business at the end of it. Um, and, a, and a team is, is a great way to start. It's a great way. It's a great way. Yep. Mm-hmm. I love that. Uh, so one, one of the things you mentioned earlier was yeah, in, in terms of the, in terms of your personal sort of screw ups and things. And, and one thing yeah. that really came mm-hmm. to mind for me was the fact that when, when I was initially going into management, I, I had one of the best lessons learned the really, really hard way where, you know, I was in a, I was, uh, I think I was maybe leading a team or doing something mm-hmm. like in that direction at the time. And, you know, my, my boss pulled me up after a meeting and says, you're ruining it all. And I'm like, what do you mean? Well, we had a brainstorming session and you shut down every possible idea that anyone came up with. And I'm like, no, no, I was just being realistic. And she was like, Mm -hmm. well, the problem with realistic is that it hinders other people putting ideas out because they don't want to seem dumb. Uh, and this was like, it, it was not something I had ever thought of, but yeah, right. realizing it made a huge difference for me going forward in my career because I, like, I hadn't thought through what the impact of that was. I just, you know, I, I wanted to be effective. I didn't want to lose time thinking about stuff that, you know, didn't work. But the, the two things that I learned from that was one, Sometimes I'm wrong, believe it or not. And <laughs> no way! <laughs> I, I'm not saying it happens frequently, but it happens occasionally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so one thing was I, I'm wrong. And, and two, th- the second thing was that, you know, people, particularly if you're someone senior, the one yeah. lesson I learned was speak last. Because the thing is, mm-hmm. if you utter your opinion, it makes it a lot more difficult for people you're working with to say theirs if it's different. Say theirs, yeah. And, and it's easy to say, like, I've seen many companies where they're like, oh, yeah, but we have an open culture and stuff. It, even with that, if you actually wait, expressing your opinion to your team have said what they have to mm-hmm. say, my experience is you generally get significantly better results because they're not as afraid of, yeah, looking stupid or, you know, saying the wrong thing or whatever. So. Yeah. And I mean, I work with a lot of like really small, like this is like your first team member, right? That's, that's kind of, that's, that's the businesses I tend to work with or, you know, first, second, third, right. They're, they're just figuring it out. Um, And it sounds like you're, you're working with a little bit more experience. um, But one of the things that, and this, this hit me one day where I was like, oh yeah, this does make a big difference um, is I train my team, my whole team, um, no matter what the job on business growth, right? So when I say we need to bring on six more clients, they understand what that actually means, right? What that not only means for them specifically, but what it means going forward. And um, for someone with a small team, I mean, I I still count myself as small. I only have 10 people, um, which is large for some people, but... um, someone with a small team, if they understand business growth, they can look at something that maybe I'm saying and, and maybe that, you know, their, their job is sales, let's say. Um, and I'm saying, this is, this is where I think sales should go. This is how sales should go. This is my innovative view. This is, you know, we're going to up and change this and blah, blah, blah. And they're going to be able to say, but wait, 
this portion works or this works, we need to try it this way. Um, and, and able to have that open conversation because they understand what business growth actually means, not just that they need to make six sales. Um, what does six sales mean for, you know, the content, the content branch of the company? What does six sales mean for our MRR, monthly recurring revenue, right? What does six sales mean for me, bonusing and, and, and so on, right? And, and they're able to look through the whole business and, and, and see why I'm saying something. And if they don't know, they can ask. Um, and I think that has been, that, that is something that's brand new. That's, that's brand new to my realization within like the last like four or five weeks, um, is as my team becomes better understanders of, like business function outside of their job, um, they are actually becoming better at their jobs and, and making sure that the company is working in as, as efficiently or, or the clients are as happy as, as, as humanly possible um, with the knowledge that we have currently. So um, when it comes to small business, I think that that's a huge thing. As you get bigger, you can't necessarily do that, right? Because you're in charge of your branch of the company or your section, right? And so the growth of this branch doesn't necessarily affect this branch as much. But when you're, when you're smaller, like, like I am, um, you know, our team's smaller, our business is smaller. Um, it really does, what the sales team really does, really does affect the content branch 100%, right? So, um, and that's, that's been a, a big realization on my part is, is, watching as as the team members grow in that um because that was that was one of our personal development personal growth things is is starting to understand that that the phases of business basically um it has really created even, a different dynamic even in big business that actually have a lot to say that it doesn't mean you necessarily mm -hmm. understand the entire business but well here's yeah. one of the things when you work in a large organization anyone that have ever been promoted Every time you get promoted, a few months later, you're like, wow, I thought I knew my role, but you know, there's so much more to understand. And that happens every time you get promoted. <laughs> so if you, yeah. like, you don't understand the business until you're fully at the top. But here's the key thing. One of the most important things from my point of view is when you're building larger teams and larger businesses, mm -hmm. making sure that you're constantly developing people to grow and constantly yeah. giving them opportunities to take ownership. So for example, when I work with teams, right, I always say that any team leader should always have a backup, right? Mm -hmm. Any manager should always have a backup. Now, if I'm the CEO and I'm not at a meeting, that's okay. If anyone mm -hmm. else is unavailable, I 100% of the time expect them to send their replacement or their next in line. Because that mm -hmm. is opportunity for that person to take a part of that step up to get that additional understanding and become so much more ready. Because what happens in most corporate jobs is people sit around and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, I want to move a step up. But they never mm -hmm. get the visibility. They never get the understanding of it. So if you start to cultivate that earlier, you will have a person stepping into that role at some point that will be so mm -hmm. much more ready. And I think that's, that matches exactly what you're saying with a smaller business, right? Yeah. But, but it's really, it's not just about understanding the entire process, but it's understanding what is above you right now, right? Because mm -hmm. if you can see yeah. higher, you can make better decisions. Well, that's exactly it. You can make better suggestions. You can lead those under you better. Um, and actually, that's a rule in our company is, is 
for example, um, an account manager position opens up, let's say it's in the content branch, the first people we look at is actually our, co our content creators, right? Um, who is ready to take on a management role because they're going to have to manage the content creators under there, but also a customer service role with the knowledge that they've gained through the job they've been doing, right? So, because they're going to have to deal with clients and clients asking smart and or stupid questions, and they're going to have to be able to answer those, those questions, right? And that comes with time and experience and so on. But um, that's always the first place I look inside of my business is who, who has been working under, uh, under that can understand what it's like so that when they go into the next, they, they're not making it hell for the people under them, right? Um, and I think that's a really big problem for a lot of businesses. They try to hire in like management level and that management level doesn't actually know how the processes actually work, right? Of course, whatever's written down on a piece of paper, yeah, sure, whatever, that, that's what it is. But that may not actually be how it works. Um, and so they can't give good feedback. They can't give good innovative ideas if they don't actually know the actual process, not just the, the, this is what's on paper process, but the actual process of going through it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I would say, again, that's probably more important in smaller businesses, right? Because yes. when, when you grow larger, um, it's a little different. I, yeah. I, of course. I, I totally, I'm a huge, huge fan of hiring from within, right? Because it's really, for me, the fundamentals is showing your team that they can progress within your business, right? Mm -hmm. So that's- Well, and uh, they matter, right? Right. Their goals, their goals that they want to hit matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And that's, I think that's the, the companies that are not actively trying to develop their staff are missing not just a trick, but they're missing the show in the sense of yeah. you know, that there's so much value in helping your team develop and grow, right? And, and literally from my point of view, like for basically for any role above entry level that you have, you, you need to have a, well, I call it sheet because I'm a very logical person, but you need to have a, a plan for every person saying, if this person get hit by a bus tomorrow, who is going to replace do? them, right? And when you have that development plan in place, when you know that upfront, it actually enables the development of those people and, and tell them when you tell someone, you know, if shit happened, you know, you're next in line, I need you to get ready. Right. And I need you to start upping your game. I need you to, you know, learn yeah. these areas of the business, et cetera. It makes such a big difference. Right. Mm -hmm. No, it does. It does. And it, well, and it gives, it gives people the ownership you're talking about, right? It gives them a chance to, to own. And, and I, I mean, I ask the same questions over and over <laughs> to my team, mostly because I'm a forgetful person, but you know, where, where do you want to be? Where are your goals? Right. Um, previous, you know, previous iterations of my business, you know, previous lives, even though it's the same business, um, you know, a lot of my team members goals were to be able to go out and be a VA on their own, own their own business. And I was like, perfect, we can get you all of the knowledge, all of the skills that you need to need to do that. And I used to pride myself. And I mean, I've got, I've got a bunch of people out there that used to work for me that now have six figure businesses. And I'm like, great. Now, my business vision has changed. <laughs> and that's not, that's not the goal I'm looking for when I go to hire but at the same time I'm asking where where do you want to see where do you want to be here going forward um so that I can be a catalyst for you and in a stepping stone right and that that could mean that they don't work work for me for forever 
And that's okay. And I have to be okay with that because I really don't get to choose what somebody does their whole entire life. But even though I want them to stay forever, um, you know, and, and you have to be okay with that. And you have to be a leader that is, that is building them up for their next thing. Now, ideally, it's the next thing that you have planned for them. But if, if the next thing is them going and doing who knows what, then it's your job as their leader, as their manager, as their boss to help them, help them prepare for that, right? And that's how you create a culture that, that people love working for. You know, you go on Glassdoor and you're like, oh no, that's a horrible business, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's a business I don't want to work for, right? And that's, that's nine times out of 10, it's because the management was, was funky. Funky. Yeah. And, and the, the biggest issue often is, you know, you, you, you get these absolute experts that are not mm-hmm. growing, but just become expert in their area. And management is so afraid to move them because they know it all. And if they leave, the world is going to explode. But that is really yep. your biggest warning sign. Like if your world explodes, <laughs> you, you should, yeah. I'm not saying you should make them leave. You should prepare mm-hmm. them for a new role and make sure they prepare someone else to, to do what they used to do. Because fundamentally, mm-hmm. like, yeah, you, you don't want to have a Stagnation risk is dying, right? For any yeah. business, I don't care what size you are, stagnation is dying and that includes your team. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. I think that have been an awesome chat. If you have to give a last piece of advice or a last piece of a resource or anything like that that you'd recommend to fellow business owners out there, what would you yeah. throw out? Yeah. So again, my name is Jocelyn Kopak. You can find me on any channel. I'm the only one of my name. So that's kind of the coolest thing about my name. <laughs> um, so five. if you are running, right? Yeah. Like, yes, my parents did a good job. Um, <laughs> but uh, if you are running into issues and you have a small business or you're just starting, starting out, or maybe you already have a business and you're like, I'm so freaking lost. I don't even know you can always reach out to me. Like I'm, I'm a DM away. I literally am. Um, so if you, are you running into things and you're like, yeah, maybe I do have a small business and Mads talks about big business a lot. <laughs> you know, something like that I'm here for you. Um, but if you are looking for a community, um, if you're an entrepreneur looking for a community, I have a Facebook group. It's called track to success. It's facebook.com slash group slash track to success. Like you can't miss it. Um, and I'd love to see you in there. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you very much for joining me today. And for the audience, we will be back again next week. Exciting. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.